I'm tired of being negative, so I won't do it here. It already appears a large portion of the OU fan base has adopted my thinking regarding the game against West Virginia on Friday, that the Sooners are walking into a buzzsaw. So I'm just going to leave it as is for now. Setting aside everything that has happened this season, OU still has a ton to play for. The Big 12 championship is still firmly within reach, and so is the playoff if a couple dominoes fall this week or next. It's been such an odd year that I think it's worth remembering where this team actually stands. All of the talk leading up to the game about how it's going to be an offensive shootout, how Oklahoma's defense is going to get embarrassed, how West Virginia will finally beat OU in a Big 12 game is just that. It's talk. We play the games for a reason, and West Virginia is going to have to play extremely well to win this game. With that in mind, here's what we know for sure going into this game. One, Oklahoma has the best player in this game on their sideline in Kyler Murray. And I think you could make an argument that Oklahoma has the five best players in this game just in general. Those being Kyler Murray, Marquise Brown, and the O-line trio of Powers, Ford, and Evans. Simply put, Oklahoma has a huge advantage in this game when they have the ball. Number two, on the flip side, I don't think I'm breaking any news by saying West Virginia will also have a massive advantage when they have the ball as well. And that's it. That's all we know for sure about this game. That means everything is up in the air. And as long as there are games left on the schedule and this offense continues to drop breath, this is still an insanely dangerous football team. West Virginia has to stop Oklahoma too. And that is far from a given. So I say to you, please be excited about this game. This is what college football is all about. On the road, in prime time, in a game in which the winner moves on to the conference championship game. This is the playoffs right now for Oklahoma. And that's something that I believe deserves our respect and our attention. Regardless of what my brain is telling me about how this game will turn out, I can't help but be fired up and ready to go. I'm Grant Benson. Happy Thanksgiving. And this is West of Everest. Second down and six. Austin finds a hole. Dangerous. Hits the edge. Watch out. 30, 25, 15. Touchdown, West Virginia. 74 yards. Explosive. Tavon Austin. We've decided to make some history today on West of Everest. For the first time, our intro highlight audio comes courtesy of an opposing team's player. Tavon Austin accumulated 572 all-purpose yards on the Sooners back in November of 2012. Yet Oklahoma still found a way to beat West Virginia 50-49. to Landry Jones had over 550 yards passing and six touchdowns in the game. Kenny Stills caught 10 passes. Four of them were touchdowns. Oklahoma gave up 778 yards to Geno Smith and the Mountaineers' offense. Yet, I repeat, Oklahoma still found a way to win that night. Roughly six years later, are we destined to see something similar Friday night in Morgantown? Hi, everyone. I'm Lee Benson, and this is West of Everest. I've watched a solid amount of West Virginia tape. I also happened to watch back the Oklahoma-Kansas game against my better judgment. I'm feeling pretty confident about my assessment of this matchup on both sides of the football. So with all of that, let's bring back Grant and jump into OU versus West Virginia. Hey, Grant. Hey, Lee. And you said at the top at your opening take, happy Thanksgiving to everyone out there. Yeah, for sure. And also, I do want to just, I want to say I'm, I'm a little under the weather. I got, I kind of have a man cold going on right now. So you, you may have to deal with extra nasally Grant voice today. So 
bear with me if I start coughing or sneezing or, or some crap like that. Hmm. I do not plan on editing it out unless it's really bad. So hopefully you can power through. Fair enough. All right, here's the dilemma that I've decided that we are in, Grant. This is obviously a huge game for the Sooners. Oklahoma is a short favorite on the road at West Virginia. The game opened at Sooners by three points. Now it's down to Sooners by a point and a half. There's money coming in on West Virginia. That's what that means. Also, the over-under is up to 81 and a half points, which is incredibly high, but probably not high enough. I checked the weather in Morgantown earlier today. We record this uh, this week on a Tuesday. Normally we do it on Wednesdays with the game a day earlier. We're doing a Tuesday night recording. The weather in Morgantown doesn't seem like it's going to be much of a factor. Sure, it'll be a little chilly, a little cold. Temps uh, supposed to be in the 30s Friday night, but light wind, clear, although it is calling for some rain showers after midnight in Morgantown. So I think it's going to be dry. Uh, but as of Tuesday, the weather not looking so bad. So the over under of 81 and a half, the over, I think, looks looks like a pretty easy play right now. So anyways, that's the quick Vegas numbers. Here's that dilemma, though, that I mentioned a second ago. Is the preview of Friday's game as simple as saying this? Well, we know OU's defense is bad. West Virginia's offense is really good. And of course, Will Greer is really good. So they're probably going to score at least 40 points, if not 50. On the other side, OU's offense is better than West Virginia's offense, but West Virginia's defense is more capable than the Sooners' defense. We know these things, therefore West Virginia has a better chance to win. But anything can happen with Kyle Murray and the Sooners' offense. Is that it? Or, Grant, shall we break this one down like we normally do and, and talk about everything and really dive deep into the tape? What do you think? I mean, I think if you want to reduce it, I, I think that's, that's a pretty succinct way of describing it. But Having that been said, it's football. There's a lot of moving pieces, and of course, we're going to break it down like we normally do. There's some, um, you know, looking at numbers too. You, you've definitely watched more tape of West Virginia than I have. I'll probably rely on my numbers a little more here. And um, I mean, there, there's certainly some numbers that we can go through for sure. I mean, this is this is an interesting matchup. It, it really is. I mean, the, the the game within a game in this one is, is going to be really interesting. Real quick before we dive right in, you were chiding me before we started recording this podcast. You were thinking I was being too negative with the Tavon Austin intro. Too negative. All right. So, Mr. Super Negative last couple of podcasts, now you're accusing me of being too negative. What changed for you? It wasn't really accusatory. It was more of just like, I mean, I don't know. We might as well. It's it's, it's no, Thanksgiving. It's the holiday. Yeah, Let's it's not no be fun. so down. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, ev everyone feels it, too. This, the fan base seems a little down right now, does it not? And, I don't know, that was kind of the point of my opening take. It's like, ah, you know, things could, things could be a lot worse. They're 10-1. and one. Everything's still ahead of them. I mean, this is a really, a really fun atmosphere game coming up here on Friday. And it's a game that, you know what, if they, if, if they show up and play well and win this game, I mean, this is going to be a really memorable game that we all remember for a long time. And I think that's really fun. Um, and so that's why, yeah, you know, as, as, as we creep closer and closer to kickoff, I'm getting a lot more fired up. I'm, I'm getting a lot more positive. And that's just kind of, that's the message I wanted to convey. That's all. I, I just want to get, want, want people to feel good about this game. That's all. Okay, fair enough. And also, to be fair, I was going to put in the game-winning touchdown that Kenny still scored in that game just uh, to kind of lighten the mood a bit in the intro. But I listened back. I went to YouTube and found the clip. It's not a good call. It's just not a good call. It doesn't come across well audio-wise. So I decided to leave it out and just stick with Tavon Austin. And, and again, 
make history on West of Everest. Congratulations, Tavon Austin. You're the first non-Sooner to be in the intro. All right. Let's begin, as we always do, with Oklahoma's defense going up against an opposing offense. This time, specifically, it's West Virginia. The Sooners are facing Will Greer, the best quarterback Oklahoma has seen to date this year. Greer still has a shot to be invited to New York City for the Heisman ceremony. He's got some nice wide receivers, David Sills, Gary Jennings Jr., a couple that stand out. Meanwhile, Oklahoma secondary is in shambles right now. Lincoln Riley said they made a point to key against the pass game against Kansas. The Jayhawks didn't throw for very many yards, but KU didn't need to because it racked up 350 yards on the ground. And even when Kansas needed to throw, the Jayhawks converted some plays. So it's not like Oklahoma completely shut down KU's passing game last Saturday. My question to you, Grant, does Oklahoma have a prayer at limiting West Virginia's passing game? Sure, but if West Virginia plays well and executes, no, probably not especially if we see what they've trotted out there the last few weeks. Um, absent them you know, making major changes in the secondary, no, I mean, I think it's, pretty, it's a pretty safe bet to assume that West Virginia is going to get theirs through the air. Yeah, I think it's incredibly difficult to imagine Oklahoma limiting anything in this game, quite frankly. You know, aside from maybe the running game, if Neville Gallimore is playing well, and if he plays, I should say, if Neville Gallimore plays, and, and we'll talk about that in a moment. I did go back and watch the Kansas game, like I said a, a bit ago, and I wanted to watch the Oklahoma defense. And I noticed, like Lincoln Riley said afterwards, that the Sooners really did focus in on slowing down Kansas's pass attack. The strategy to me looked to be telling the cornerbacks, both guys, whether it was Parnell Motley, Trey Norwood, Trey Brown, whoever was on the field, to play pass first on every single snap essentially play man coverage against whoever's out there with you. Kansas was in 10 and 11 personnel quite a bit, which means that KU primarily had three and four wide receiver sets. And every time the cornerbacks would shadow their wide receivers at the snap, uh, that's what you would see. You'd see them shadowing the receivers and Oklahoma would get spread out with the three and four wide receiver sets. Sometimes Buki, he'd slide over and he'd play head up on receivers if there was trips or twins and and that was what Oklahoma's defense called for this strategy would have worked a lot better if Oklahoma didn't give up everything on the ground and I actually don't mind the philosophy Oklahoma utilized against Kansas especially in the big 12 of just telling the DBs specifically the cornerbacks hey you play pass first if you come up to stop the run you better be 100% sure it's a run play now, obviously, the problem with that strategy is that if the front seven can't stop the run game, you've got essentially nobody else in run support, which can lead to explosive run plays. There's multiple times on Saturday, Puka Williams would just get past the second level, get outside and have plenty of green grass on the edge because Trey Brown or Parnell Motley or Trey Norwood were just shadowing their wide receiver down the field, essentially taking themselves out of the play because they were playing pass first. So simply put, Back to Neville Gallimore. If he does not play in this game, and just to throw it out there, Lincoln Riley did not give much of an update on Neville Gallimore's status on Monday. All he said was there's a chance for him to play. He said Gallimore wasn't close to helping Oklahoma against Kansas. Uh, Grant, you pointed out last show that Riley has been pretty cryptic with injuries this season, so who knows what that means. Uh, so anyways, though, if Gallimore does not play, 
I expect Oklahoma Grant to struggle at stopping the run yet again because West Virginia likes to to play kind of like Kansas did, predominantly 11, 10 personnel. That spreads out the defense. This, in turn, puts six and even sometimes just five people in the box, which signals to West Virginia and really any offensive-minded coaching staff or any quarterback that they want to run the football. You run the ball when you have six and five-man boxes. So, uh, And that's what Kansas did. Kansas saw that, and Kansas ran the ball very well. West Virginia running back Kennedy McCoy had his best game of the year a week ago against Oklahoma State, and there's a pretty good chance he'll follow that up with an even better game uh, if Neville Gallimore is not playing and against a worse Oklahoma defense. So that's that's my mixture of can they limit the passing attack, but also throwing in the little caveat that the running game factors in quite a bit on whether or not Oklahoma can limit the passing attack. And there's other things we're going to talk about, too, specifically. But before we get to that, Grant, anything that you want to add to what I just said? Yeah, at least stopping the run game, I think, is is essential because really the key for OU's defense in this game, Lee, if they are going to have any sort of success, is going to be getting West Virginia in the third and long. And I know you'll probably say, well, I mean, that's obvious. And, you know, with this defense, we got we to gotta grasp on anything we can. So, you know, uh, per S&P, Lee, um, the only time this defense is above average to good is when they're in passing downs, um, which, you know, is should be pretty much every defense. But this OU defense is 34th in S&P defense um, on, po- on passing downs. So... If they can, if they can somehow get you know negative plays on first and second down for West Virginia, and that, that's going to be a tall order, especially with you know the game plan that they've that they've shown these last few weeks, just not really interested in showing a lot of aggressiveness or anything like that. Um, we'll see, but I mean that that's going to be the key. Um, and, and you're right. I mean, if if they don't have Neville Gallimore for this game, they're going to be hurting. It's going to be really tough. I think he's. Uh, he's the key to their run defense up front. I think that that much is clear after watching the Kansas game. So you mentioned that we haven't seen a whole lot of aggressiveness from Oklahoma defensively, which is something that we've lamented the entire season. I think that transitions us nicely to the next thing I want to talk about. Okay, West Virginia was dominated by Iowa State. They only scored the Mountaineers, what, 14 points, and Will Greer had like 100 yards passing. I mean, it was total domination in Ames. And Oklahoma State gave up a lot of points to West Virginia last Saturday, but Oklahoma State's defense especially after halftime, was really good against West Virginia. So the question I have for you is, can Iowa State or even Oklahoma State provide us with any examples of how to slow down this offense? Well, West Virginia against Iowa State, did, did you go back and watch it at all? I, that, I did not get a chance to watch that game very closely, so I was kind of relying on your general the story thoughts. Of that game, I know you've talked about it before, but uh, yeah. kind of remind everybody what you saw. The story of that game was West Virginia constantly doing exactly what Iowa State wanted them to do. And Lee, you did a, I think you did a film time with Lee breakdown on Facebook earlier this year of an Iowa State defensive play that the Sooners actually burned Iowa State on. But they really like that three deep safety look that is is becoming a lot more popular in the Big 12. And what what Iowa State does with it, Lee, they want to bait you into running into that, what looks like kind of a five or six man box. Um... But kind of right before the snap, they bring down that safety to plug up the hole up there. And West Virginia Lee did that constantly on first and second down against Iowa State. And it went nowhere. So one, it was just, um, first of all, I think Iowa State dominated West Virginia up front. Um, Take that for what it is. Iowa State has a better defensive line than Oklahoma. I know that's hard to swallow, but it's true. They just have better players up front than OU does right now. 
and they were they were able to physically man no arguments for me I'm yeah. not gonna argue with you on that um and, and that's really what happened uh, a lot of the times they were uh Iowa State was showing that three deep safety look Will Greer thought hey three deep safeties I'm gonna check into a run and then boom he checks right into that safety coming into the box uh, you know, gets them for a loss or, or a gain of just a couple. And then after that, you know, once once they got West Virginia in third and long, they just harassed him with the pass rush all game. Iowa State has, has some pretty solid corners uh, on the outside, Brian Peavy being one of them, and they were able to play good enough man coverage to give Iowa State's defensive line all the time in the world to get to to Will Greer, which they had a lot of success. I think I think West Virginia only had 150 yards in that game total. Man. So, I mean, they, they were completely shut down. The only problem with, you know, with that is I – OU is not equipped at all to, to replicate that game plan. They don't have the personnel. Exactly. They, 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 exactly. You know, they may have the personnel on campus right now, except it's just it, it's not developed personnel in, in that scheme. And they, they just need, frankly, Lee, they, they need to be a lot tougher on defense to do what Iowa State did to West Virginia. So that's the Iowa State side. So really there's not a whole lot there just because of the way Iowa State plays. And Iowa State's defense is so much better than Oklahoma's defense. However, you look at Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State's defense and Oklahoma's defense, both not very good. So here we go. And this is I have a lot of thoughts on this because I, I watched all of the Oklahoma State-West Virginia game pretty intently. Let's just say Neville Gallimore plays in this game. And I got a feeling that he will. I just have a sneaking suspicion that Lincoln Riley being very cryptic with his injury stuff and he was acting – Again, on Monday, being very um, not not he wasn't giving giving anything away. He said a lot of his injury report was questionables and doubtfuls, which is like, oh my gosh, that's everyone's going to be injured. But let's just say Gallimore plays, and Oklahoma's run defense is passable against the Mountaineers, which is definitely the best case scenario. There's no doubt about that. Then could Oklahoma's secondary limit West Virginia's passing game? And I'd say it's possible, but only if the defensive backs for Oklahoma show that they can play aware defense and cover not just the players, but also find the football. Is that likely? I say no, because Oklahoma has been horrible in coverage all season long. I will say this, though, back to Oklahoma State, and the reason I brought up the Cowboys and Iowa State, the Cowboys had a fantastic defensive game plan against West Virginia Grant Jim Knowles the OSU defensive coordinator basically challenged cornerback AJ Green to shadow David Sills all game and take him away and Green basically did that Green and the rest of the Cowboys defense and this is to a point that you made a second ago everybody on the Cowboys defense was incredibly physical against West Virginia's receivers Sills made one big play all game it was a touchdown catch and the pass needed to be thrown perfectly by Will Greer. And it was a nice catch by David Sills. It was over Green's tight coverage. Outside of that, Green was all over Sills. Back shoulder throws didn't work aside from one where Sills clearly pushed off to get separation. Penalty flag did not fly. A few times when Sills actually was able to catch the ball, Green was right there to make the tackle and hit him. So there wasn't any yards after the catch. A.J. Green was just he was great. He was phenomenal. I can't say enough good things about A.J. Green. And Oklahoma State's safeties in that game were also great at run support, at times coming downhill, making stops in the backfield, being nice alley players, you know, not afraid about getting beat deep, not afraid about giving up a big play. And Oklahoma State's defense allowed 41 points in that game. But like I said earlier, 
it was a really good effort by the Oklahoma State defense. And again, just 10 points scored after halftime against West Virginia, which is great. So the question is, can Oklahoma mimic this kind of defense against West Virginia? I'll let you answer this question, but my answer, Grant, is I, I'm sorry, I don't think so. I just don't anticipate Ruffin McNeil saying to either Trey Brown or Parnell Motley, hey, stick on David Sills all game. Make it difficult on him. I just, I'm also not sure either one of those guys could do it anyways because Oklahoma rarely challenges its defensive backs to shut down opposing wide receivers. They just don't have experience trying that out. So I don't, I mean, I, I know Norwood was kind of tasked with taking on Tylen Wallace against Oklahoma State. That didn't work out very well. He wasn't physical at all. So, Grant, after hearing all of that, do you think Oklahoma could potentially mimic what Oklahoma State, what Oklahoma State did? No, because I don't know if they really have. They don't have a corner who can who can physically hang with David Sills the entire game. I, I don't think. I mean, it's. I mean, they don't at all. So no, I mean, I don't think they can do that. I think the best way to play West Virginia Lee is is honest with with zones. I, I think playing zone would be the best way to play West Virginia. Um, I, I did notice Lee Will Greer does struggle sometimes. Um, I, with his accuracy on short routes when you take away his first option. I, I noticed that against Texas when I was going back and watching it. Um, shorter routes, he can sometimes be inaccurate. Um, and so, I, I don't know. I, I would like to challenge him to throw it into tight windows. Um, I, I would also... I, I'd also... I, with Oklahoma's personnel, if they were capable of playing zone defense, I, I would bracket David Sills the entire game. Uh, but they... Oklahoma plays just really awful zone defense, so it's tough for me to to say what could work in this game. So I I really do think their their best bet is probably to be in that that four two five look, or uh, or maybe that dime look with Curtis Bolton blitzing through the a gap. Maybe they can maybe they can generate some interesting looks out of that. So maybe some wrinkles that they haven't put on tape yet. Um, I don't know, maybe we will see a little bit of that that three-deep safety look. We saw a little bit of that in the TCU game with Delarian Turner-Yell. I know he didn't play against Kansas. We'll see if he's healthy or not. I don't know. Um, they have some options of, of stuff they could throw out there. I, I don't have a ton of confidence. It's going to be incredibly successful based off of what we've seen the last three weeks, but you never know. I mean, they could... What, what if they get him in the third, you know, third and long, and they, they're able to play good man coverage, you know, a couple of series? You know, they'll... I, I, they're going to get off the field a few times in this game. It's just a matter of, um, you know, what they can limit. I think, you know, obviously holding West Virginia to field goals would be a huge victory. It's kind of funny saying that because that's, I mean, that's that's one thing the Sooners have been just dreadful at this season. I think it's still only, I think they've still only forced one field goal in the red zone all year or something like that. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's going to be a challenge. It's, it's going to be a challenge. And and I'm looking here, like Oklahoma State did a, did a really good job, relatively speaking, of defending West Virginia, I thought. West Virginia did have 550 yards of offense, but that was on 91 plays. And, um, Lee, if West Virginia only averages a, a shade over six yards per play in this game on Friday, I think OU wins by two touchdowns. Yeah. And, that, and that's funny State to was, say. It's really funny to I mean, say, uh, but yeah. <laughs> and Oklahoma State's secondary consistently throughout the game, tight near the line of scrimmage, Sure, here and there they give up that cushion that we see Oklahoma give up all the time, but not a whole lot. A.J. Green was constantly on top of David Sills. The only guy Oklahoma has in the secondary that I think could stand a chance at trying to replicate what Green did right now is Parnell Motley. 
And Parnell Motley is playing actually really good football. And he stood out big time in that Kansas game. I know Lincoln Riley said that he graded out as, as the best D-back in that Kansas game. And Motley looked good. I, I must say he it's not surprising, I guess, that Parnell Motley looked really good in the game where a team couldn't really stretch the field a whole lot. Motley's a lot better, I guess, coming down and being physical and making some tackles. I mean, he's a decent tackler. He got off a block one time, made a tackle on a screenplay. So I could see Motley. I know he's not as big as A.J. Green, but maybe he gets a little little bulldog in him and, and actually getting physical with David Sills. And if he just watches the tape of Oklahoma State and A.J. Green, if I man, I would love to watch that and just be like, yeah, I can do that too. I don't know if Oklahoma ever does that. It doesn't seem like they ever watch opposing teams and see what works and then try to mimic that. It really doesn't seem like Oklahoma does that defensively at all, which I think is ridiculous because you have the ability to watch all this film. All this film is available to you, and you don't utilize it as well as you probably should. But uh, he's the only guy I think that could probably do that. What's that? Yeah, I mean, I suppose there's a a variable for you. I don't know. Yeah, if you add if you add September of 2017 Parnell Motley to this defense, that's probably worth an extra couple stops, I would guess. <laughs> I mean, that'd be cool because I mean that was when he was absolutely at his best. But just like every defensive back in this program, the longer you're here, the worse you get. So that's the thing. It's his pass coverage is so inconsistent, and then you go up against uh, a team that's really good at throwing the ball, like West Virginia. Then he has a chance to be incredibly inconsistent again and and look bad. But so yeah, Lee, if if that's if, where it's frightening if september of 2017 parnell motley is playing in this game i I think ou wins i I don't i don't really need to i don't think i need to expand much on that i think i think it's a pretty cut and dry statement i think they win if parnell motley is is in that form but i mean we haven't seen that in in over a year now so i don't I, i highly doubt that we'll get that parnell motley all right well crap next question that was kind of negative wasn't it ah sorry guys Oh, how dare you? Ah, no. One other thing I want to mention about West Virginia that I have in my notes here. Primarily, West Virginia is an 11 personnel team, which means one running back, one tight end, three wide receivers. And the tight end that you got to watch out for is Trevon Wesco. He's a nice player. Uh, They like to use him in the running game, but he can also catch the ball. He had a really nice catch and run versus Oklahoma State. So I expect, and this is, I'll get your thoughts on this, Grant. I was charting Oklahoma's game against Kansas. I was charting West Virginia's game against Oklahoma State. Here's what I'm guessing we're going to see a lot of Oklahoma personnel-wise, defensively. I think we're going to see a lot of the 4-3 again, and we're going to see a lot of 4-2-5 because those are the defensive sets that Oklahoma was in primarily against Kansas when the Jayhawks were in 11 personnel and 10 personnel, which 10 personnel is one running back, four wide receivers. Um, And that's... That's what West Virginia does all the time, too. Every once in a while, they'll bring in two running backs. And uh, it's, it's not a whole lot of guessing when it comes to who's going to be on the field. West Virginia does like to run a lot of motion, like a lot of misdirection stuff, kind of the same principles that we saw from Texas Tech. I will say this. Let's see, I find my note here. Took a random West Virginia offensive note. So keep this in mind, everybody, when you're watching the game. And hopefully Oklahoma saw this, too. If the tight end, what's his name again? Oh, gosh, I just, Mesco? Wesco. (laughs) Trevon Wesco, number 88. If you ever see this guy 
lining up as an offset eye fullback, which he does eh, 10 to 15 times a game, maybe, maybe five to 10 times a game. And you see him pre-snap motioning out wide to a, tri- uh, a twin set. It's going to be a quick wide receiver screenplay. So hopefully Oklahoma has seen enough t- tape and they can just break on that and blow that play up because I saw that against Oklahoma State. When he would do that, every time, they would throw a quick screen out to the wide receiver. So a little nugget there that I wanted to throw out there. All right. Next question. Any chance, Grant, Oklahoma's defense is actually prepared for this game? And here's what I mean by that. Will the Sooners go in actually looking to take away something from West Virginia that makes sense unlike the Oklahoma State game where Oklahoma went in to to try to take away the running game and allow a clean Taylor Cornelius to beat them any chance that Oklahoma is truly prepared for this game sure yeah I think so I I think the coaching staff takes this game seriously now there's a question about whether or not what they do is going to be adequate Um, yeah that's a good point we, we we've talked about I think the culture in this program, and, and I think we're at the point now where the culture got so bad in the program where I don't think they know what a good defensive game plan is, or at least I, I'm not sure that they do. Um, so I, we'll see. I don't know. We, we, saw, we saw Mike Stoops kind of dial up some interesting things still here and there over the course of the last three or four seasons. And, I, you know, these guys aren't dumb. I think they understand the, the importance of this game and that they really need to get the offense some help. So I, I hope like hell they got something new prepared. Or at least, you know, they, they have a plan and they're going to stick with it. It's a plan that they've practiced and are comfortable with. So, um, but yeah, I, I mean, it would be, it would really be a shame if they, if they come out just playing shell defense and just praying that West Virginia makes a mistake. Because they, they probably won't if that's how you're going to come out and play defense. <laughs> the scripts have flipped. The scripts? Script? I'm not sure why I did plural there. You're trying to be as positive as, as possible. I, I was the positive guy the last few shows. I, I'm i a little more negative right now. Here's what I got to say about this. Based on the way that this team prepared the past two games, based on the fact that this is a short week, it's a road game at night against an elite offense, I'd say the chances of Oklahoma being truly prepared defensively is 5%. And honestly, that still feels a little too high. <laughs> We just haven't seen any evidence to suggest this team knows how to stop opposing offenses from gaining yards and scoring lots of points. Why should all of a sudden we expect them to figure it out against West Virginia on Friday night in a short week? Well, define figuring it out. Like, I'm, I'm thinking right now, I'll be happy if they force, like, a handful of punts. I Like, define it. I, I don't, like, if they give up 45 points, but they also force, like, five punts, I th- I'll be happy with that. Grant, I'm going to share some numbers with you later that, (laughs) you know what, I'd be ecstatic if they force five punts, because Oklahoma is rarely forcing that many punts. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think, I don't remember the last time, well, I mean, I'm sure they did against TCU and Kansas State, but I feel like Texas Tech Tech punted quite a bit, I feel like. I, I got some numbers later that we'll bring up. Oh, great. Anything else on the Oklahoma defense-West Virginia offense matchup that you'd like to touch on because I am done? No, I, I'm done. I think I mean, it's, it's going to be a hell of a challenge. This is the best offense that Oklahoma has faced this season. And, you know, th- they're not invincible. I think, you know, this is, this is a West Virginia offense that I think a really talented defense can have some success against. 
And, you know, that that doesn't really appear to be Oklahoma right now, but anything can happen. And uh, I'm not expecting any miracles. I'm expecting West Virginia to have just a whole lot of success on offense in this game. But, you know, we'll see what happens. You never know. The Oklahoma defense might surprise us, but, man, don't get your hopes up. We'll actually have some more OU defense, West Virginia offense talk later on when we do some Facebook listener questions because – one of the questions is about the stops. How many stops does Oklahoma need to win the game? I think that's what the question was. It's something like that. So that's why I have the numbers that uh, I brought up a, a moment ago. So that's a little tease ahead. So we're not done fully talking about the Oklahoma defense and the West Virginia offense. We are for now, though. Let's switch over to the Oklahoma offense, taking on that West Virginia defense. And Grant, like Texas Tech a few weeks back, we've heard a lot about how West Virginia's defense is better this season than it was a season ago. Is it better? What do the numbers say? Yeah, they're a little better. They're a little better on defense. They've they they've gone from terrible on defense to not good. So I I'd say a, a very similar jump for for Texas Tech, except um, probably grading on different curves. West Virginia has has recently played pretty good defense as a program, and last year was more of a regression for them. Um, this year they're they're kind of right back on track, Lee, and they you know they Oklahoma is 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 likely to have their way against these guys. So uh, a lot of a lot of where they a lot of where they have successfully is just one is limiting explosive plays. That's one thing that Oklahoma's defense has actually still been pretty good at this year. Um, West Virginia is 39th in the country in ISO PPP, uh, which is just which which measures the magnitude of the successful plays that you give up. Um, or basically your ability to to limit explosive plays. Um, but Lee, what they're good at is is causing havoc. So they're seventh in the country in havoc rate and all of and that is passes defended, fumbles forced, interceptions, and sacks. Um, and a lot of that comes from their linebackers and their defensive backs. And so I think that's if I have one stat to point to where I think that could be where West Virginia takes advantage of things. Um, it's right there. I think West Virginia and Oklahoma actually have very similar defenses. When you when you look at the numbers, the one difference is West Virginia is really aggressive and they take the ball away sometimes. Um, and that's Which what aggress- exactly what yeah. we've been clamoring for. Yeah, and and, for and that's Oklahoma. that's what aggressiveness can do for you. And so when I look at a team that's seventh in, in, in havoc rate, and that's not even adjusted stat. I mean, that's just a they. They get their hands on a lot of balls. They they have a lot of tackles for loss. They don't they don't have a ton of sacks, but they they, they do you know in the run game they do get you behind the line of scrimmage quite a bit. Um, and you know I I can just really envision them even if even if they do give up damn near seven hundred yards to Oklahoma, I think that Oklahoma has shown a propensity even when they're rolling like that to have a few drives where they just kind of stall and they go three plays and out. And it's usually on drives like this where a team can be really aggressive early on and standard downs and they make a play behind the line of scrimmage. And West Virginia is much more of a threat to do that than Oklahoma is. So I think that's the one thing that you can point to right here. That's that's the one thing that I think could break serve in this game. Hmm. Yards per play, you know we like that stat here on West of Everest. 2017 West Virginia's yards per play, atrocious, 6.1 this year, measurably better, 5.4 yards per play. So in that sense, the number, the, the defense is, is much better. West Virginia's best defensive games against offenses that can move the football were at Texas Tech and also home versus Baylor. 
However, though, against Iowa State, against Texas, and against Oklahoma State, the Mountaineers' defense gave up 6.9, 6.9, 6.7 yards per play. So nearly seven yards per play in a couple of those instances. Going back to that Tech game, weirdly enough, West Virginia's defense did better against Alan Bowman compared to how it played against Jet Duffy. Bowman left the game late second quarter. Tech only scored 10 points in the first half, and then with Duffy came in, I suppose they didn't have film on him. Tech scored 24 on West Virginia's defense after halftime. I thought that was kind of an interesting stat. I got that, some. I have some stats that can explain that, Lee. Okay. West Virginia is atrocious against the run, and Jet Duffy is a runner. So that's mm-hmm. that's that's the wild card in this game, is that I think Oklahoma's offensive line might be able to just physically manhandle West Virginia up front. Um, West Virginia Lee is 85th in rushing S&P, and when you, when you adjust that more for efficiency, they're 113th in the country uh, defending the run. Uh, this is a game, Lee, where I think it might be interesting. I, what are the chances Lincoln Riley in his mind is thinking, man, I want to keep the ball on the ground, and I want to keep West Virginia's offense on the sideline as much as humanly possible. Kind of the old, the old, uh, the old game plan that, that a lot of teams used to use against Peyton Manning's Colts. Uh, just try to grind out drives by keeping the ball on the ground and keeping them on the sideline. I mean, their offensive line, Lee, is probably the main reason why they've won 20 straight road games because they're able to go on the road in the Big 12 and they just they manhandle people up front. That That's no different in this game, Lee. They, if they want to, they can run for 350 yards in this game. And also... The same week that Bill Biedenboe is a semifinalist for the Broyles Award, perhaps Lincoln Riley just puts the game in the hands of those big uglies up front and just says, go dominate, go clear lanes, go impose your will on this defense. And from the naked eye, here's why it looks like West Virginia is not that great against the run, Grant. It's their scheme, the 3-3-5, the three-down linemen, it's – if their linebackers aren't quick or don't recognize where the run's going right away, they can get washed out quickly, and there could be big running lanes. Yeah, and, and that's if their what safeties aren't coming downhill to help out. Boom. Yeah, and and so this is this is one of the one of the things I'm pointing to, and I, it's it's getting me a lot more confident for this game, especially on offense. I mean, it, thinking that I could be more confident in this offense. Um, Lee, Lincoln Riley has just has made mincemeat of this West Virginia scheme in, in, in the three other games that he's played against West Virginia in, in his time here against Oklahoma. That, if you recall last year in that game, Lee, that was, I think, the most prolific first half of offense in the history of Oklahoma football, and a lot of that was on the ground. They just Oklahoma blocks this front for West Virginia really, really well. Um, and I did want to, I, I wanted to kind of back up a little bit too, Lee, because one of the caveats in their run defense is um, they're sixth in the country, Lee, in stuff rate. They, they stuff you at the line of scrimmage or get a tackle for loss on 26.5% of run plays, which means generally the other 75% of those run plays are successful plays. So um, take that for what you will. The, it, it, obviously, that, that definitely jives with the, the high linebacker havoc rate. They really are aggressive going after... Uh, going after gaps, and and that's why I think Lee the the OU's bread and butter counter play that just that just kills West Virginia because of how how aggressive they are going after gaps. And you know what they say about Lincoln Riley's offense is he he melts your keys, um, and he just 
he he really confuses you, and especially with a defense that that is based on aggressiveness like West Virginia, when they don't know exactly where those running backs are coming through those gaps, I'm just, it's good night, Irene, and that's pretty much what's happened with OU against West Virginia the last three years. You brought up last year's game, the prolific first half. Oklahoma scored forty five points in that first half, and for the entire game, the Sooners averaged nearly twelve yards per play. Oklahoma rushed for more than 300 yards in that game. And then, of course, you remember Kyler Murray's long run on the opening play of the opening play of the game. You've already talked about the game last year. Is there anything that we can take from last season's dominating offensive performance when projecting Oklahoma's success, potential success Friday night on offense? Mm, not really. There's a there's quite a bit of turnover on this defense. Um, they they pretty much completely rebuilt their defensive line. Uh, I don't think David Long played in that game last season, so I mean, outside, what? Say that again. I saw him. He was playing. I saw he was playing. Okay, so I I, saw number eleven. Unless he wasn't number eleven last year. Okay, I may have been confused. I know David Long was was hurt at times last year. I may have misremembered when he was hurt. Um, Yeah, you know, I mean, I think I think the one thing you can take from last year's game is, is mostly just the success they had against the scheme. And from what I've seen of West Virginia this year, it's Tony Gibson. I mean, the scheme is the same. Um, they're fun to watch play defense. I like the way the West Virginia plays defense. They're just really aggressive. They have a lot of really interesting looks pre-snap. Um, a lot of the times they'll they'll stick their linebackers kind of in a gap on the line of scrimmage. They'll stand up a lot of defensive linemen to try to confuse the offensive line. And I love stuff like that. That's just, I think, easy stuff to implement that you could easily do at Oklahoma that they refuse to do. And Lincoln Riley said a lot of that stuff on Monday, too, when talking about West Virginia's uh, West Virginia's defense. So here's I'm actually more more bullish on last year's game tape. I I watched back the first half and all O line. It was all the OU offensive line, just domination. That GT counterplay, it was just money. Rodney Anderson, he was really good as well. So credit to him. And obviously, he's not going to be playing. We know Oklahoma can still do this though in 2018. And you had Kyler Murray as that running element that Oklahoma didn't have, the the exception of the first drive last year. It gives me a lot of confidence in this Oklahoma offense rushing and consistently putting up, you know, three hundred plus yards per game. That's what Oklahoma's been doing for the last four or five games. They actually came up just short last week. It helps West Virginia though. This year, obviously, the game is in Morgantown at night. Plus, I. You know, West Virginia, they're not they're not like a juggernaut, but the Mountaineers are better on defense this year. So that's definitely a positive for the Mountaineers. But at the same time, Oklahoma, I think, can do the same thing to West Virginia on Friday that it did last year. And it doesn't take a genius to say the Sooners the Sooners will need to do that, I think, to put their chances of winning at a high number. I mean, that's kind of an obvious statement. But it's possible. I think Oklahoma can do it pretty much exactly what it did last year against West Virginia that that's a possibility in this game yeah and like it, I've I've been hey, I've, I've been beating the drum on West Virginia all year they didn't turn out exactly how I, I foresaw them it's possible they could I mean if OU wins that's an eight and three team kind of right around where I saw West Virginia this year but my, my critique on West Virginia Lee was always that if anybody has a pulse in the running game they're just going to run right through them and outside of OU there really isn't anyone in the Big 12 this year that has a really physical running game. I know Texas tries, but they're still not quite there yet. Um, and yet, Lee, they've still just they still have not defended the run well at all this season. So I, 
this is a game where I really think you should put this game on the shoulders of your offensive line and just say, just go get it for us, guys. Because, I mean, if they're... if if they play well, mistake free, they limit the penalties and the stupid, uh, the the mental mistakes with like personal fouls and whatnot. Man, nobody can touch them, and they can run it down anybody's throat. and And I really hope that that's part of the game plan on on Friday. So, any concerns about West Virginia's defense? Uh, for me, just talking about what Lincoln Riley said on Monday, as far as how West Virginia is creative, they mix things up. They drop eight, then they'll send pressure. You know, they'll move their safeties around quite a bit to give the quarterback some different coverage looks. When I've watched West Virginia play this year, again, I think they're predominantly you know three three five, and you see some good speed at linebacker, which the numbers back up with the havoc rate. Riley also said something on Monday though about West Virginia's defense that made me think. Well, I wish Oklahoma was like this. Riley said that West Virginia has a defense they believe in a system they believe in, they're consistent, and the players execute at a high level. Does anybody on Oklahoma's defense believe in the Sooners system? What is their system? I'm, yeah, that was my next thing. I, I'm not sure the Sooners even know what their system is at this point. Like, I don't know what it is. I, I don't know what they're trying to do. It's, it's like a mixture of all it these did. different... I mean, it started back in 2013. It started, they tried to do an Alabama style or an old you know, an old Wade Phillips style three, four with Jordan Phillips, the nose tackle. And then when they couldn't recruit to that, they sort of went to a, a three, four multiple look and that, and then when they didn't have any pass rushers last year, it went to a sort of a three, four, but actually a four, three, because Oboe was just a stand up defensive end. Um, along that, you know, along that period, they have just a, a, a revolving door of linebackers, Kenneth Murray, who was a safety in high school and was coming in to play at the Jack linebacker position is now your your middle linebacker. Yeah, I mean they don't they have they got they absolutely do not have a system at all at Oklahoma. They they have no clue what they're doing. I don't think they're. They have no vision, long-term vision at all. Um I think it's I've I said this on the last podcast, but it's um you know, geez, we're talking about the defense again. I just realized that. Well, I brought it up, so that's on me because yeah. I because it's just Riley talking about West Virginia's defense. Sure. Well, we're okay. supposed to be talking about things that concern me oh, about okay. West Virginia's well, defense. And sure. I, then I'll, I'll, I haven't I'll, yet. I'll answer that question then. What what concerns me about West Virginia's defensively is their aggressiveness mixed with their creativity in really high leverage situations when the crowd is going to be going crazy and will be just begging for a huge play. That's what concerns me about West Virginia's defense. Yeah, that's essentially what concerns me as well. The tight press coverage, Oklahoma. West Virginia is not afraid to challenge their corners and their secondary. Oklahoma obviously has some great wide receivers, and they're capable of beating press coverage. We've seen it. And Lincoln Riley also is pretty good at designing plays that exploit certain coverage techniques, so that's good. Uh, but, you know, when those windows are a little tighter, it, it will always concern me because it makes things more difficult. It, you know, we've seen Kyler. He's thrown a few really bad picks lately. I mean, both of those picks in Lubbock and then the one last week against Kansas were not good. And if the windows are a little tighter against West Virginia, yeah, that'll make it a little more difficult on Mr. Murray. I wouldn't uh I, I don't think that West Virginia should play man coverage. I think that would they would they would die a very slow death if they did that. Maybe not even a slow death. Uh well, I think, those three interceptions that he threw that I just mentioned were all in zone coverage. So Yeah, I'm just saying I think point. I think West Virginia plays man coverage. I think Kyler Murray might run for two hundred yards in this game. I'm serious. I I think this is the game where we like we really see Kyler Murray play with his feet. Um, 
it's it's do or die right now. And not to mention, I think he can he he can, he can pretty much win the Heisman. I think this week too with an incredible performance. So we'll see. I mean, this is this is a game where if OU is going to win, I I think it's going to be just a it's going to be an insane um, Kyler Murray game that we remember forever. Yeah, and that's something I wanted to bring up too. You you mentioned mentioned Kyler running a little bit earlier. Let's let's talk a little more in depth on it. You just said a little bit right there. Again, it's I'm with you. It's the end of the season. This is a huge game. We've seen Lincoln Riley scheme more and more runs for Kyler. It seems like as Oklahoma keeps playing these big games deeper and deeper into the season. I think this is going to be another one of those games. And West Virginia has been susceptible, not only to just teams running the ball on them but specifically quarterbacks running Taylor Cornelius went over 100 yards last week Sam Ellinger had some success nearly five yards per carry for Ellinger and and hopefully Kyler he just continues to be smart with the football when he's asked to throw the ball and then even more smart with his decision making when he decides to run the ball or it's a called run play like Lincoln Riley will call here and there uh, you know West Virginia's defense remembers the first play of the game a season ago vividly and I guarantee you that West Virginia fans are just deathly afraid of Kyler Murray running the football in this game I mean wouldn't you be if you were a West Virginia fan yeah I I suppose I haven't really done a lot of looking at what the what the West Virginia community is saying online or anything like that but yeah I got to think that that's a that's a fear for them Um, I mean easily you can point it out because he had that long run last year in the one game or the one series and then throwing on top of his highlight plays this season when he's been able to start. I mean, it. Yeah. I mean, there's I think gonna, West Virginia likes to, they like to play a little bit of man. And I, yeah. I wouldn't, I just, I really would not suggest that against Oklahoma. I, I don't, that's, that, that's, I think that's just the best way to get, get beat by Kyler Murray. Injuries. We briefly touched on it a bit ago. We only mentioned what Neville Gallimore, uh, Trey Sermon. Uh, Riley says that Trey Sermon has a chance to play I don't know what to think of injuries they need Sermon in this game yeah he's gonna be big in the second half and I guess Pledger TJ Pledger is not maybe not gonna be able to go either I mean there might again I mean who knows how cryptic Riley's being I mean is this gonna be like the Texas game where we were kind of worried about what Ben Powers I think and and Kenneth uh, Mann Neville Kenneth Mann and I think everyone was good to go uh you know I guess who knows if they're all 100% I suppose we don't know that so I don't know. I don't have anything to say about injuries because we just don't know. I mean, Riley's not really giving us anything, which I suppose he didn't need to. He didn't have to. Why would he? Yeah, I don't have anything on injuries other than they just they need the guys healthy. I mean, they yeah they they need a full deck going into Morgantown. Anything else you want to touch on before we get to our what do you want to see happen and what will happen? You know, I no, I'm just I'm excited for the game. It's it's going to be a fun game. I mean, I think you know one of these days they'll they'll play in Morgantown like on you know an 11 a.m. kick or like a 2:30 kick or something. Uh, but <laughs> I guess this yeah, this game's Mor- been scheduled for a year as a primetime game, I believe, right on day after Thanksgiving. Yeah. So yeah, it's just, I mean yeah, close to a year. Uh, so I don't know. It, it's or, it's yeah. going to be a fun environment. You know what? I'm it, it's not really the environment I'm too scared of. This this team is is not really phased. I, I don't think by atmosphere. Um, it's a lot easier to not be phased by atmosphere when you have that running game and that offensive line. Um, you know, I'm just, I, I think West Virginia is going to have to come out and play a really good game to win. And I think people are, are discounting that a little bit. You know, it's not, 
I don't think West Virginia doesn't just have to show up and win. I mean, they, they still have to execute and play well also. Um, so that's, that's what I want to say, you know, and I'm, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sugarcoat anything. I think everybody knows how I'm feeling for this game, but it, it doesn't hurt to be a little positive. I mean, it's, they could absolutely win this game. All right, here we go, Grant. What do you want to see happen in this game? And for anybody that has never listened to the podcast before, basically we're saying, hey, if you had to pick the best case scenario, you know, what are the things you're looking for? Obviously, we want Oklahoma to win the game, but how are they going to win the game? You know, what do you want to see? Best case scenario, what are you looking out for? What do you want to have happen? Well, one, I just hope the tackling improves. Um, if they would have just cleaned up their tackling against Kansas, I mean, you probably you probably could take a couple touchdowns off the board at least, and it still wouldn't have been pretty, but it would have been you know a tad better, a little you know more stuff to build on. So tackling obviously is a big one. Lee, one thing that we haven't mentioned a lot uh, that I feel like is going to be really big in this game, OU's defense is at a propensity this season to even when they do get to the quarterback, for some reason not being able to bring them down. Like if if you get to Will Greer, you have to bring him down to the ground especially if he's sitting in the pocket. So, you know, I'm, I'm not holding my breath that they're going to be sending a lot of pressure. They haven't done that a lot uh, with Ruffin McNeil. But if, if they get they their... have done it, the opposing team has had the perfect call and it yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. Which leads me to believe maybe they're, they're they've been really obvious when they're when they're yeah. blitzing that we haven't we just haven't seen it on. Tape, there was a but... couple blitzes against Kansas that I hadn't seen yet off the corner, off the slot corners and stuff that almost worked. But Kansas just got the ball out just in time. Yeah. But Oklahoma um, was successful on them. Sure. And then, you know, I'll, I'll touch on something else, too. What, what do I want to see as, like, a Homer fan? I think it would be really cool if, if, if they came out with a wrinkle with, like, Buki at corner or something like that, I think would be really interesting. Um, I mean, that's, it's not going to happen, but, that's, <laughs> but, but that, that's me, you know, putting on, like, my message board goggles and being a 16-year-old kid. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, that'd be really cool, right? You know, but other than that, you know, I, I would like to see some wrinkles, uh, whether or not it's that it's that that three deep safety look with, with the Larry and Turner yell kind of in the middle there, or um, whether or not they play more of that dime or I just, I'm not a huge fan of the four, three. I don't, I don't think Caleb Kelly is a particularly good player right now. I, I don't, he's, he's a really good tackler, but the problem is him getting to the ball carrier to tackle him. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'd be concerned if they, if they come out in that, that four, three look with, with Kelly at the the strong side backer, because I just really think that that'd be an open invitation for West Virginia to to really expose him in space, but we'll see. Um, yeah. And then also, Leah, well, just to go to the offensive uh, offensive side of the ball, I I've been saying it now for the last month. This is the offensive lines game. That this is this is the group, and if they want to get to the playoffs, I think they need to. They just need to hop on their shoulders and, and let them take them there. Okay, I'm banning playoffs plural. It's the playoff. It's singular. That's Banning. a really lame thing to be uh, to be upset about. So I'm playoff. just gonna. I mean, fine, you can do what you want, but that's super lame. No, it's not because if it, you know what, do not give college football the benefit of actual playoffs with an S because it's not. It's just it's a plus one. It's a playoff. You're being it's a real Ted one. Mosby right now, Lee. <laughs> you know what? Little things annoy me. Little language things and people mispronouncing people's names that are famous annoy me all the time too. Anyways, so yeah, it's it's banned. It's the college football playoff. It's the playoff. You uh, if you break that rule, I'm gonna cut your mic. Oh sure, I'd like to see you try. I have editing power. 
I will be successful at cutting <sighs> your mic. Here's what I want to see happen. I obviously want to see the defense come out and just surprise everybody and look halfway decent against West Virginia <laughs> because I I don't think I don't think that's realistic though. I I just I don't think it's realistic to see them look halfway decent because that would be like, hey, okay, like making some plays out there. Like, Remember, they're you know what? You're never as bad as you think you are, and there is some truth to yeah. that. They're they're not as bad as 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 they looked against Kansas. I refuse to believe that because if that's the case, they literally are the worst defense in college football, <laughs> or at least Outside second worst to Rutgers, uh, Central Michigan, or UConn, who I think is giving up literally ten yards per play over the course of the entire season. Man, here's something that I think is realistic, though, and I hope I hope to see the offense play its best game of the season. I want the offense to look as crisp as ever and prepare for the game in which they know they're going to have to be basically perfect to win. I want to see Oklahoma get back to that 300 plus yards rushing for the game. And I kind of alluded to it earlier. Oklahoma had 294 against Kansas, which stopped their 300-plus rushing yard streak at four games. Yeah, might as well be five games. I mean, just six yards short of 300. I want to see Kyler Murray play awesome. It's a national TV game on a Friday night after Thanksgiving. A lot of eyeballs will be on him. This is the game where he will need to make a statement if he's going to have any chance of winning the Heisman over Tua. I want to see him make that statement. My mentality for this season has shifted to... OU's offense is so fun to watch and so good. This team can win it all still because of that. Is it realistic for that to happen? No. History's on an Oklahoma side. But whatever. No need to pull my hair out over the defense anymore. It is what it is, which is terrible. Hope for the best. Expect the worst. Pray the offense plays perfectly every game from here on out. That's what I want to see happen. What will happen, this is our game prediction, Oklahoma, last I checked, favored by one and a half points. Who should go first? Do you want to go first? you want me to go first? I'll go first. All right, Grant, what's going to happen in this game on Friday? Uh, Lee, West Virginia is going gonna, is gonna to beat Oklahoma on Friday uh, by, by, you know, a touchdown, maybe a single score, a field goal. I think uh, what I... What I talked about earlier in the podcast, I think West Virginia's aggressiveness is going to allow them to, you know, to break serve with Oklahoma maybe a couple times or more so than Oklahoma is able to do that to West Virginia. Um, and I, th- I think there's just uh, there's only so much water you can take on. There's only so many times the offense can bail you out. And I, I just think um, this is this is where the season is headed. I'm fully aware that. I may be wrong. I hope I am, but as of right now, I just I've I've seen this script way too many times. I I do I just cannot picture them winning on Friday. Mister Positive, all podcast goes negative on the game prediction. It's not. I mean, everyone knew I was still going to pick West Virginia. I just, but I'm still I I I still think OU can win. This is not. This is not like a. Uh, this is not one of those propositions where it's like, oh, just don't even watch the game. It's just a waste of time. I mean, this is like this is like a fifty-five. I got better things to do. This is like a fifty-five forty-five thing here. You know, this is like a fifty-one forty-nine thing. So, so you're saying take the over, which is oh, set at God, eighty-one yeah. and a half. Oh, you are you kidding? Me? Yeah, it's gonna. We're gonna be close to the over at halftime. Yeah, the over under is eighty-one and a hook, eighty-one and a half. And real quick before I tell you what's gonna happen. The Texas Tech Baylor game in 2015 apparently got up to 90 
point five, ninety and a half over under, which is, I guess the that's the highest total since nineteen ninety. And Baylor won that game sixty three thirty five, so the over hit easily. <laughs> uh, the game, by the way, opened at eighty seven, so it got bet up to ninety and a half. And uh, in twenty twelve, so a few years before that, uh, OSU and Baylor. So this is back when Baylor was called those points. OSU Baylor was at eighty eight. So somehow this game is not as high as as those games, and I'm not quite sure why. So yeah, I think this is is it too easy? I mean, that's is that too easy of an over? I don't think so. I just don't I can't imagine this turning into a a defensive slugfest. Cuz yeah, unless like they even, have some sort of like inside information that Lincoln Rye is going to do what you were saying and just take the air out of the football. Doesn't it just like run so, the ball? Yeah, so Lee, even in like a even in like let's say theoretically like a a 41 to 35 game, which would be close to hitting the over. I doesn't it seem like if this game was 41 to 35 that means there would be like a lot of slow points in it with stops and right yeah that that would mean yeah. even if it was 41 to like 35 that would mean at least probably half of the possessions ended in stops so I I don't know if I see that happening <laughs> and especially considering the weather again I'm pretty sure the weather is supposed to be clear not bad the wind's not gonna be that bad yeah, if there's it's not no, going to be raining or snowing. I mean, if there's no elements and it's just mid 30s and clear, that's the guys on the field won't even feel any sort of cold at all. They'll be loose and feel great. So, over under talk, it's fun. All right, here's what will happen from my perspective. This feels a lot like the week leading up to OU Texas for me. I was super positive about Oklahoma's chances on defense against Texas, and that was really stupid especially in hindsight. Fast forward to now, and I'm not going to make any declarations about the Oklahoma defense playing well and being prepared because we haven't seen that at all against competent offenses this year. However, I am confident in Oklahoma's offense and its ability to move the ball and score points in a pressure-filled situation against West Virginia. So I'm betting on Lincoln Riley. I'm betting on Kyler Murray. I'm betting on that terrific offensive line. I'm betting on C.D. Lamb, Marquise Brown, and heck, even Carson Meyer. Not to mention Kennedy Brooks and hopefully Trey Sermon. Lee Morris is going to score three touchdowns in this game. Lee Morris as well. I'm betting on Lee Morris. Thanks for mentioning him. Sorry for leaving him out. He's my favorite player on the team, obviously, because he has the best name of anybody on the team. I'm going to bet all those guys know they've got to be perfect. Therefore, they're preparing on this short week like they need to be perfect. I say this game flies way over the total of 81.5. Both teams score 50 like in Monday Night Football. The score 55-52 Oklahoma seems right to me. Although I do realize that's a rather optimistic outcome based on the way the narrative has been entering this contest. So 55-52 lead, are you are you calling like the actual like the first game-winning field goal at the buzzer since I don't know at least since, I don't know, Bob Stoops took over in 99, because it hasn't happened since then. Why not? Is that what you're calling? You going to call it? Sure, I'll call that right now, and if it doesn't happen, then who cares? But if it does happen, I'll look really smart. Well. Such as, or such as sports talk radio slash podcasting. <laughs> Fun times. We've got some listener questions to take care of here in a minute, plus our weekly picks against the spread. All of that soon, but first, just want to invite all of you out there 
to subscribe to West of Everest on iTunes. All of you new listeners, please subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. And also, if you'd like to, please leave us a rating and or a review. That'd be great. We had a really nice one again I mentioned earlier in the week from a dude in New York. Appreciate you listening. That's awesome. If you're on Facebook, find the West of Everest Facebook page. Give us a like. You can, all fo- you can also follow Grant on Twitter at GrantBenson25. I am at Lee Benson News 9. I always post on the Facebook page and also on my Twitter after games to ask for those three-word reviews. So if you like the Facebook page or you follow me on Twitter or Grant on Twitter, then you can participate in three-word reviews, which is quickly becoming the best segment of the show. And, of course, you can email the show if you still want to email, westofeverest at gmail.com. So to listener questions from Facebook. Chase, he wants to know, Grant, realistically, how many stops does Oklahoma's defense need to make for Oklahoma to leave Morgantown with a win? What do you think? I think do you they even need, know, should I go first? I, okay. I think they're probably, realistically... Four. There needs to be four possessions in which West Virginia does not score a touchdown. Ooh. That's a good number. I like that. Okay. Here's the stats that I teased, you know, 20 minutes ago or something like that. So the last three games, excluding kneel down drives before halftime, Oklahoma's defense has faced 36 total drives. The Sooners have allowed touchdowns on 18 of those drives. Not great with math, but that's 50%. (laughs) <laughs> which means over the last three games when the opposing offense gets the football, there's legitimately a 50-50 chance of that team scoring a touchdown against Oklahoma. <laughs> Not a 50-50 chance in just scoring in general, scoring a touchdown, which is, oh my God. that Are, flip, are you flip saying a coin. their defense is bad or what? Yeah, I just, that that's, I mean, you flip a coin and there you go. Uh, okay, in addition though, Oklahoma has allowed three field goals in that span. And was fortunate enough to see one field goal missed by Matt Amendola, the OSU kicker. So opposing offenses have scored 21 out of the last 36 possessions. That's 58%, which is nearly a 60% chance that you're going to score points every time you touch the football if you're an opposing offense against Oklahoma's defense. Now, let's go over the stops. OU got four stops against Kansas. Four, which is what you think they need to get against West Virginia. Oklahoma forced three punts, and they got a turnover on downs. OU won the game by 15 points. Oklahoma got six stops against Oklahoma State, four punts, one missed field goal, and a Chuba Hubbard fumble. Oklahoma won the game by a single point. And against Texas Tech, Oklahoma got five stops, five punts. Oklahoma won the game by five points. And just to be clear, against Kansas, there's only 10 possessions, and, and Oklahoma only got four stops. In all the games, Oklahoma allowed points more than get than more times than they got stops, which that's what the numbers bear out anyways, as I said earlier. Let's look <laughs> let's look back to last week when West Virginia lost to Oklahoma State. All right. Remember we talked about the Oklahoma State defense playing pretty well? The Mountaineers had seventeen possessions in that game. Seventeen possessions. That's a lot of possessions. Oklahoma State had thirteen possessions against Oklahoma and Bedlam. Didn't it seem like Oklahoma State had the ball a ton? Yeah, it felt like they had the ball that entire game. Yeah, West Virginia had the ball four more times against Oklahoma State. I mean, each team had the ball a ton. OSU, out of 17 possessions, stopped West Virginia, Grant, 10 times. They got 10 stops. I mean, that's, that's fantastic. 
West Virginia scored on 42% of its drives against Oklahoma. So let's say West Virginia gets, we'll go 14 possessions, which is still a lot. I mean, that might be high. I'd say Oklahoma needs to stop West Virginia six times. That's not even half the time. Basically kind of what they've been doing. I'll give it, yeah, six stops in order to win the game. My dear God. So you said, what, four? I don't think four is enough. I I don't think four. I mean, I guess if they have the ball, let's say if there's 11 possessions instead of 14. Yeah, God help me, four might be enough. If they get the ball 13 or 14 times, I think Oklahoma needs to get six stops against West Virginia to win the game. And this is taking into account, too, if the offense plays the way the offense is capable of playing. So should we bring back the old... uh Three punts per half mantra is last year. I mean, that sounds just like downright yeah. amazing right now. Doesn't it? Yeah. All right. Next Facebook listener question. My friend Sam, our friend Sam, thanks for contributing to the podcast, Sam. Not even an Oklahoma fan. He likes, I don't even know. He went to Washington State. He also went to OU Law. So I guess he kind of likes OU. Doesn't matter. His question is, Grant, how much of a factor is playing in Morgantown versus playing in Norman? Simple, simple question. Massive, uh, massive. I would I would have no reservations about picking OU to win if the game was in Norman. Interesting. From a Vegas perspective, I think the line opened at three, which means Oklahoma would have been favored by six or maybe even seven if the game was in Norman. Yeah, I mean, would I be more comfortable if the game was in Norman? Of course I would, mainly because of it's it's the offensive stuff, and I think you brought it up earlier with what you what concerned you is the element of fans screaming and the offense not being able to hear very well and just all the pressure of the away environment that would not be there for Oklahoma's offense if it was playing at Memorial Stadium in Norman. So that's yeah, that's that's a difference. And again, the forecast not supposed to be, not supposed to be that bad. Mid thirties, low to mid thirties dry hopefully not too windy so that's good also sam also had a thing about the college football playoff and i mentioned washington state a second ago we'll we'll do this real quick just for sam he says i'm also having trouble figuring out how washington state is still at number eight in the college football playoff rankings Minshew and the cougar offense has been really good and the uh, defense has been much better than the likes of oklahoma Obviously, the Big 12 will take care of itself, but how do you see five through eight shaping up? Do any of those teams have a chance to get into the final four of the playoff? Well, five through eight, that would include Oklahoma. So I still think Oklahoma does have a chance to make the playoff, certainly. So does Washington State. They really do. Uh, LSU doesn't. Get out of here with that. They would need incredible amounts of craziness to have happen. Uh, I mean, I don't... I was kind of iffy on this question because I don't even know what to say. Do you have any thoughts or comments? Yeah, honestly, I don't. I don't know. I think you can make a pretty good case for Washington State to be ahead of Oklahoma in the in the standings right now. I, I don't. Um, I, I haven't. I haven't compared resumes side to side yet. That's not really something I've done this year. Uh, like I've said, no no team has a particularly great resume, and Wazoo really is beating a bunch of of nobodies. So, and the Pac-12 is is the worst power conference. Ah, the ACC is pretty awful, but um, no, I, I think I think Washington State will put themselves in will will be in you know good position if OU loses. 
they'll you know I, I think they'll they'll be in probably if what they probably just need OU to OU to lose and actually I know I don't I don't think I bet Ohio State would jump them I don't I don't think the committee really respects the Pac-12 at all I mean how how else can you jive Wazoo being at eight and, and the the yeah. rankings just came out a couple hours ago they're still at eight so yeah it didn't I mean one through eight didn't change didn't change the only thing that changed was UCF's number nine now and Ohio State is ten hey Lee that also tells me. Um, if OU wins out in Michigan and Ohio State beats Michigan, OU's in. O- OU's definitely in in that situation. So, yeah, because I mean, it seems like I mean the rankings aren't moving. I mean they're not moving any teams right now. And here's the thing, though: you go to the five thirty eight playoff predictor, which I've been going to the last couple of weeks, and it keeps changing because all this is an exact science. It still has if Clemson. Alabama, Notre Dame, Michigan, and Oklahoma. All five of those teams went out, which Clemson and Alabama probably have a pretty good shot. I guess Georgia, I suppose, could knock off Bama in the title game. I guess we'll see. But anyways, if all five of those teams went out, the playoff predictor now has Oklahoma still favored to make the playoff over Michigan, actually. It used to be a lot a lot bigger of a gap, though. Like, Oklahoma was at something like 70-something percent, and Michigan was only like around 40-something percent. Now it's Oklahoma 63 percent, Michigan 60 percent, which effectively is basically a coin toss. So that, that just proves that this is an inexact science with the, with this formula they have here on 538. But, yeah, I mean, either or, Michigan or Ohio State, maybe – Maybe Oklahoma would still make it. Somehow. I think they would because I don't. I don't because what? Even if if Ohio State does beat Michigan, OU just went on the road and beat the number thirteen team. Um, and also you got to think that they would be playing. Uh, they'd be they'd be playing a higher ranked team in their championship game than Ohio State would be. Um, I don't. I, I think Northwestern is ranked, but I, I don't think anyone's really going to give Ohio State a ton of credit for beating Northwestern. So. I just plugged in if Ohio State wins out, which means they would beat Michigan, Michigan and Oklahoma's percentage goes up to 71% from 63, and Ohio State's is only at 57. So according to this, the the play would be for Oklahoma to, to win out and hope that Ohio State beats Michigan. Yeah, I think... Weirdly enough, Notre Dame has the fourth highest percentage. Like, Oklahoma would have a better chance than... Like, according to this, if you go by the numbers, Oklahoma would be the three-seed and Notre Dame would be the four seed, which is interesting. That's Maybe telling the me conference that they, championship thing. That's telling me they have a conference championship thing built into that algorithm. That algorithm sucks. I, I just yeah. I don't think I, I don't really see how that's gonna. It's, it's human beings who make the decision, so I don't really. Anywho, um, no, I mean it's it's obviously All right, let's get back. obviously some dominoes are gonna have to fall this weekend or next because otherwise, I mean, it, it's just gonna stay the same one through four. Couple more Facebook questions from listeners. Sydney, always appreciate Sydney's contributions to the podcast. He's always very thoughtful with his thoughts and his questions. Here's what Sydney has to say. He says, thinking back to the Monday media availability after Mike Stoops was fired, Lincoln Riley said this team is capable of going on a run or something to that effect. Which, yep, I remember that. Sydney says, what went wrong? This is the worst the defense has been, and I don't imagine that this is the run that Coach Riley had in mind. What went wrong? We'll start with that because he has one more additional question. From my perspective, here's 
here's my answer. Oklahoma started playing better offenses after the TCU and K-State games. That was That's obvious. You could also make the case that Oklahoma's new simplistic approach is showing its downside now because Texas Tech was able to call creative, successful plays at perfect times. Same with Kansas. Oklahoma State also to some extent. That tells me that Oklahoma's defense is lining up and showing you everything immediately, which in turn allows the quarterbacks to read the defense. It allows the coaches to check into the right plays at the line. And also it's easier for the coaches to anticipate certain offensive calls by Oklahoma or certain defensive calls, rather. For example, it's almost a certainty that when, as an offense, you're third and six to third and 11, third and 12, Oklahoma is going to bring in that dime package, play two man, when it's second or third and longer, then Oklahoma is going to rush three and drop eight. If it's longer than, if it's like second and 15, second and 20, third and 15, like they're going to, they like to drop eight. You know, coaches can game plan for this. And you know, Dana Holgerson, he's seen all of this stuff on film and he's going to be ready for it. I mean, I'm actually kind of deathly afraid of Oklahoma going to that dime package and blitz and bullying because I think West Virginia is going to have some stuff dialed up and ready to go for those blitzes. I'm actually really worried about these third down calls. So that's that's my answer to kind of what went wrong from uh from when Ruffin took over. Do you have any theories? Mine's going to be a much more a much more general uh diagnosis. The reality is this this program is not capable of playing consistently good defense right now. And that's because of the the philosophy and the culture of the program. Um they've been preaching mediocrity for a long time and this is what you get when that happens. So um, that that's it, it was the in retrospect, it's now very clear that there wasn't a whole lot they could do. I, I don't think they it's the thing that's going to change this defense is is a completely different defensive coaching staff and, and a culture shift. Next question from Sydney. He says, I'm sure if the defense has a good outing in Morgantown on Black Friday, we'll be in more forgiving spirit. But I have zero confidence in this group. Will Greer is the best quarterback this defense has faced. The lack of a pass rush combined with the extremely poor coverage skills of the DBs and the poor schemes seem to me like the recipe for a disaster. Is there anything you guys can think of regarding the defense that gives us some reason to be somewhat optimistic? Here you go. Here's some optimism for you, Sydney. I got it for you. If Neville Gallimore is healthy, I'd be kind of optimistic about limiting West Virginia's running game. And I talked about Parnell Motley earlier in the show. He played really well against Kansas. I didn't notice that until I rewatched the game. If he's tasked with taking away David Sills, which I I don't know if that's gonna it's even a possibility. If he's tasked with that, maybe, maybe we can be optimistic that he can slow Sills down a bit after the way he's played you know, in recent weeks. So Parno Motley playing pretty well recently, and if Neville Gallimore plays, there's some there's some things to be potentially optimistic about. Grant, what say you? <laughs> oh man, <laughs> how about this? I don't know. I'm Will Greer is not like a massive threat to run the ball, even though he has had some sex, uh, success with that uh, quarterback draw this year. Yeah, they split out five wide, go empty, and but I'm not super. I'm not super worried about him scrambling around like I was with corn dog and uh and others so there's right. there's one thing I, I don't um and that's really about it i i just this defense <laughs> certainly doesn't inspire a lot of confidence does it i guarantee you that west virginia is planning on whenever if they have a third down and 
I don't know, medium or, and they come out and Oklahoma shows they're going to go man up and they're going to play their dime and blitz. West Virginia's going to want to go empty and just say, yeah, we'll just, just run because there's a good chance that you're not going to be responsible for if Oklahoma didn't do their homework and you could just be running free for an easy first down. So just keep that in mind when you're watching the game. Will somebody be responsible for Will Greer whenever they go to that dime package, especially if they go empty? Eh, the jury's out. I don't know. Maybe. Lastly, TJ. Very negative <laughs> the question for TJ here. He says, after we lose, do we get a New Year's Six Bowl? <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, they're in a New Year's Six Bowl no matter what. Really? Yeah. If they lose, I think they're playing in the Peach Bowl against... Um, either Florida or UCF. Um, and if they, and if they, well, if they win and then lose the Big Twelve championship game, probably also in that game. Um, yeah, they're gonna they're they're gonna be in the Peach Bowl, the Sugar Bowl, or uh, the Cotton Bowl against Alabama. In all likelihood. Well, what does that say? Let's say they lose. What does that say about the loser of the Big Twelve championship game? Then where do they play? Um, how would you know what I mean? I mean, what oh, they're out. There's not. I mean, OU is definitely OU is in the best position right now for a New Year Six Bowl. They're they're Cause, absolutely cause they got in. ten wins. Yeah, yeah, they're in. Oh, okay. They're absolutely in. Um, so yeah, I have no idea how that stuff works, honestly. Yeah, I, I think they just take the they take the top rankings and stuff like that. And I think right, I think right now, I think Florida is at the cutoff, and OU is not going to drop below Florida. So, I heard Toby Rowland this morning on the radio talking about Oklahoma is looking at maybe the Peach Bowl against LSU. That would be awesome. I would love I would love that. <laughs> that would that would get me fired up for a non-playoff game. Yeah, I mean Peach Bowl against LSU is somewhat intriguing, I guess. Uh, you know, my gut right now tells me that Oklahoma would have problems stopping LSU's offense even though it's a pretty limited as you describe it, but I describe it as a capable offense. Uh Grant, I, I do know though that you would like Oklahoma's offensive chances against LSU because I know you don't like the Tigers defensive front yeah oh you would be able to run the ball in that game the old line would just dominate yeah they'd run the ball pretty well in that game yeah I I think I think if they were to play LSU it'd be it'd be really similar to what we saw when they played Auburn a couple years ago in the Sugar Bowl just like Auburn just couldn't keep up all right that's our listener questions thanks everyone for chiming in on Facebook we appreciate that big 12 games this week Grant I do you even want to talk about? I don't want to talk about these. We're going a little long. Let's who cares. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean they don't they don't matter. This is the one. Well, yeah, this is really the one game that matters. I mean, Texas is at Kansas. I you know I guess it's fun to think about Kansas maybe covering the fifteen point spread, but Texas defense seemed to get its groove back against Iowa State, so they'll probably figure out Kansas and beat them pretty badly. Baylor at Texas Tech, K State at Iowa State, Oklahoma State at TCU. Just not a whole lot of interesting matchups this week outside of OU West Virginia we've already kind of talked about the college football playoff rankings so we're good there so that means the last thing we have to do is give our picks and after tooting our own horns pretty good last week we both fell down to earth and crashed crash landed last week Grant uh I was two and three you were one and four not a good week of picking Still, we're above 50% for the year. Well, you are. I'm, I'm right at 50% for the season. So hopefully we can b- bounce back this week. We have five games as normal. We'll start on Friday. 7.30 kickoff. Uh, wow, so this is going to be going on at the same time OU West Virginia, West Virginia is playing, I suppose. 
That's interesting. Washington, Washington State, the Apple Cup. Washington State at home, favored by two and a half points. You know, I'm all in on this Washington State team, especially playing its Pac-12 teams. I think Washington's offense is really bad relative to what you're what we're supposed to think of this Washington offense. And I like Washington State's defense. And maybe it's being propped up by not so so great offenses recently, which is certainly true. And I could be running myself into a buzzsaw here. But Jake Browning's been down this season. Washington hasn't really shown to be very explosive. And Washington State at home in a rivalry game, laying less than a field goal. I like Washington State's offense. It's This could probably be a pretty low-scoring game, actually. But I'm going to lean Washington State minus 2.5. What is that you, Grant? Yeah, I also lean Washington State. And that mo- that, that is just more of a... Um, it's an indictment against Jake Browning. I think he's I think he's a bad college football player um, relative to to what his hype was a, a couple years ago, um, and I just I don't trust him at all on the road. So I I lean Washington State, but because I I think Washington is is significantly more talented than Washington State, uh, but yeah, Washington just has. I'm gonna guess to- that all the pro betters and all the sharps, and I haven't done enough research at all, and so. I'll put the caveat there, guys. This is me just with the you know twelve weeks of college football. Or I'm gonna go back and do a little more research, but I'm kind of just flying at the hip here. I mean, I've been pretty good with the NFL this year. NFL, my God, we're I've been not good on the NFL. I've been okay with college football. I on the podcast, I'm fifty percent overall. I pick a lot more games. I'm I'm right around fifty percent. So, anyways. I, I'm confident, but I'm not that confident. I mean, if I'm really confident in a game, I'll tell you. For instance, that Georgia-Kentucky game from a couple weeks back. Georgia-Auburn. I love Georgia in those games. Uh, anyways, the next game is Florida State at home against Florida. Another rivalry game. The Gators are laying five on the road. Simple rule this year, Grant. I can't bet Florida State. I can't. It's not a good football team. I know it's a rivalry game. I don't care. How are they going to – actually, you know what? Florida is pretty inconsistent too. I don't like this game at all. I'm probably not going to bet it. But there's not a whole lot of good games this week, and we needed five for the podcast, so I'm going to lean Florida laying the five points. I don't think Vegas knows what to do with this game. Five points is a weird number. But even getting five points at home, I'm sorry. I I cannot back Florida State. I guess – I guess Florida State's trying. They need to get a win to get to bowl eligibility, which I suppose is something to play for. I don't really care. I'm going to lay the five points and, and lean to Florida. I like Florida. I just I Florida State sucks, man. They're not a good team. Um, and so I just I'm, I'm not comfortable picking them in, in really any scenario. I think I don't think Florida I don't think Florida's going to wipe the floor with them, but at least expect them to win by a touchdown, which would cover the spread. I like Florida. Look at the. Look at the coaching matchup. Dan Mullen against Willie Taggart. I think I'll take my chances with Dan Mullen. Next game. Do you want to save... You're looking at the rundown right now, Grant. Do you want to save this game for for, for the end? Yeah, we can do that. All right. So we'll skip that for now. The next game... Again, there's not a very not a lot of good games this week. I mean, obviously, we've already done the OUS Virginia game. That's for our podcast. So that's a big game. The rest of the games, though, not... That great. So we're going to go to this one. LSU at Texas A&M. And just to give you an idea of where Vegas thinks LSU is in general, LSU still number seven in the nation. 
Texas A&M is a two-point favorite over LSU. So a top-10 team is getting points on the road. And you think, Lee, I mean, you've been the big LSU guy all season long. I'm sure you're all over LSU here getting points against a, 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 just a, a, you know, an okay A&M team. Well, you'd be wrong. I, I lean Texas A&M, and the only reason why I lean Texas A&M is the history of this program, from what I understand. This program is just – there's something about it. They just don't win important games. And Kevin Sumlin never beat LSU. And so now I'm banking on Jimbo Fisher finally beating LSU, but now I'm thinking – I'm talking myself out of it now. Oh, my gosh. Now I'm talking myself out of this, Grant. No, stick with it. Because uh, my same rationale I have right now. Stick with your pick. I used I used in that Auburn A and M game, and A and M just wet the bed late in that game for no reason. I mean, they dominated against Auburn, and then I don't know if just their history came back and and they ended up I think pushing and they lost. You make it. Oh, you make man. a pick or what? You make a pick on this game or? <laughs> All right, I'll stick with my gut. I'm going to lean A&M minus the two. What about you? Ah, I lean LSU, actually. Um, and it, it, it is because of trends. LSU has dominated Texas A&M since they've come into the SEC. And Lee, Texas A&M is Texas A&M. I, I ha- that's, that's just my theory. They're always just going to be Texas oh, A&M. Oh, man, you just ate me alive there. You ate me alive. I, I don't know. Did you say so like I, or lean? Uh, I lean LSU. I only lean because it's LSU and Joe Burrow is terrible. Next game, Notre Dame, minus 10.5 at USC. The last chance for Notre Dame to lose a game this year. USC, this line to me, Grant, a little fishy. I figured it'd be a little higher. Put it this way. Notre Dame was effectively on the road a week ago, right? against Syracuse, a team ranked, what, in the top 10 at the time? No, not top 10, top 15 at the time. 10-point line. Now Notre Dame, once again on the road, true road game this time, against USC, who I believe is below 500, correct? Yeah, they're 5-6, and six, I think. And it's 10.5. So only a half point more Notre Dame lays. Does this say more about... Notre Dame, Syracuse, or USC? I would say this says, this, this says everything you need to know about the ACC. Ah. Uh, yeah, Lee. Um, S&P thinks USC is a better team than Syracuse. So, um, USC is in such disarray right now. Yeah. And I was on UCLA last week, and, and good on Chip Kelly and the Bruins for hitting that. Grant, I'm going to lean USC plus the 10 and a half banking on their quarterback who I can't even think of his name right now. JT I've seen him play a handful of times and it was J I was thinking JT Barrett, which obviously I knew was wrong. I just, I'm going to lean on him having an okay game. I think he's, he has the potential. He's a freshman, but he's played more games. He's been injured on and off. I just at home kind of the last hurrah for USC this year. I, I was leaning more Notre Dame last week. I just I didn't like Syracuse's chances. Yeah, I guess I could use the same principle for this game because Notre Dame knows basically, hey, we win, we're in the playoff. And Notre Dame has not been in this situation since the playoff has been a thing. So you're right. I, I should be 
more like, oh, I like Notre Dame. They need to go out and win. Boom, punch their ticket. I'm going against myself. I'm going to lean USC plus a ten and a half. Yeah, I'm not falling for this one again. I like Notre Dame. I think they're going to win by like thirty. They're going to kill them. Um, I think this Notre Dame team is really good. They're just like I, I think. I, I think they definitely have some weak spots, and I think when when teams play their absolute best, like if if you if you put Notre Dame's best against other teams' best, I, I think they really are probably closer to like the sixth or seventh best team in the country. But I don't know. This seems like a really well-put-together, tight-knit team that is on a mission to get to the playoffs. And USC, like you said, is in disarray. And I, I Your just... mic's getting cut. What? Your mic's getting cut. What do you mean it's getting cut? You said playoffs. What? Oh, Come on. God. Come on. You, just, you made me... <laughs> I panicked there for a second. I was like, what are you talking about? Anywho. Um... <sighs> Okay, you're you're not going to be able to condition that out of me. I'm sorry. It's just I'm I'm a human being, and I'm sorry I put an S at the end of playoff. Hey, this is a new thing though, because you used to just say playoff. So you've changed this in the last few, like month. You've changed. <clears throat> Anywho, yeah, no. there's a there's a pretty good chance that I'm going to change my pick and go to Notre Dame. I like Notre I Dame. Like I research. I like them. <laughs> I like Notre Dame. Like in a game very similar to last week, they're going to win like forty-one to ten or something. They're just going to yeah, whitewash. God, they them. are. They are a lot better than USC. You're right. Oh, I locked my pick in. Eh, whatever. This doesn't matter. No one's betting these games anyways that we're picking. Come on. You're not really you're not really in Vegas right now and going to the casino and saying, hey, Lee, Lee, Lee leans USC. Also, also I, haven't, I haven't liked a game yet. I've leaned everywhere. All right. Finally, the big game of the week, the biggest game of the week. Was, this is the big game, right? Or no, is that Cal Stanford? I can't even remember. I can't keep them all. All these rivalry games, all the nicknames. And I think line. Cal I Stanford remember. is just the game. The Wait, game. no, no, That's it's right. not. That This is the game, isn't it? The Michigan-Ohio State well, is, isn't it? Well, I'm sorry. All I can think of is famous rapper, the game. Oh, of course. But aside from him, I believe this is the big game. Wait, no. Man, we do a college football podcast, and we got to go to Google to figure out what the answer to... All right, so this is Michigan Ohio State is just the game. Boy, we uh really dropped the ball there. So anyways, Grant, Ohio State at home is getting 4 points. Which makes sense because Ohio State's playing some pretty poor football lately. As much as I hate to do this, as much as I hate to do this, Grant I like Michigan here, minus the four points. I also like Michigan. I like Michigan by double digits. I just, there's so much weird garbage going on with Ohio State. Ohio State's defense might be... No, it's if, at worst, it's even. I mean, Ohio State fans have to be feeling pretty similar to our fans, but the thing is, Ohio State's defense actually has been pretty good recently, whereas Oklahoma's defense has not been good for years. I mean, how panicked are Ohio State fans? They're like, why are we giving up 50 points to Maryland? Why are we giving up 40, 50 points to Purdue? I mean, that defense is supposed to be good. <laughs> yeah, Lee, they're not. kind of, they're they're sort of on a run right now that I'd say is similar to Oklahoma on defense where, all right, let's, let's go back. They played Minnesota on October 13th. They only gave up 14 points, but Minnesota had, had over 500 yards of offense in that game and averaged over like eight yards per carry. Um, that next week, that's when they lost by 30 to Purdue when they gave up 49 points. The next week, they beat Nebraska at home by five points, a game in which, let's see here, I know Nebraska had a really good game offensively. 
Well, not as good as I thought. They had 450 yards on 82 plays, so that's not terrible. Um, and then what else? So, and then they get Nebraska's offense was really sloppy in that game. Yeah, yeah. But then they got kind of like their a, a good performance when they went on the road to play Michigan State. But everyone plays well against Michigan State, so I don't know. And that was also kind of a nasty weather game, I believe. Um, and then just last week, they just gave a 51 to Maryland, and I think Maryland had like. I think what like fifteen plays of eighty plus yards. <laughs> I honestly haven't even seen a snap of that game, except for the final play where Pigram missed his guy. By the way, hey, I I took Maryland in the points. I felt pretty good about that one. I wish that was a game in our our picks game that we play. Yeah, Lee, Ohio You're- Ohio State's defense is a lot more similar to OU's defense last year. As in, wow. like in, in terms of in terms of success rate, they're actually in the top half of the country. But in terms of preventing explosive plays, they're arguably the worst team in the country in doing so. So, it's uh, their yeah their their defense very very similar to OU's last year. At the same time, this is pretty interesting because I just looked it up. Ohio State has never been a home underdog since Urban Meyer has been there. This is the first time. They've ever been a home dog with Urban Meyer, which that's somewhat significant. And also, too, again, Michigan's offense is not very good. So is there a chance that Ohio State's been giving up all these yards and points to these offenses that can stretch you a little bit more? But I guess, you know, I'm thinking about this now off the top of my head. Ohio State's run defense has been bad, right? So Michigan's going to be able to pound it probably and control the clock and run down Ohio State's throat. Yeah, they're six, 68th in, in rushing S&P defense. So Ohio State, we'll see if Greg Schiano can put together a great game plan to basically take away the Michigan run game because that's the game plan against Michigan. You stop the run game, make them one-dimensional, and force Shea Patterson to have to be really good throwing the football, you like your chances against Michigan. I no, think. He, made, he made some really nice throws against Indiana. Yeah, he has the capability to make some really nice throws. He's good. Too, I mean, I don't. Michigan's offense is not as bad as you think it is. I think a lot of people, it's it's not great by any stretch of the imagination, um, but it's it's effective. I, I think when you Michigan's offense really reminds me of of like the old early Alabama Nick Saban offenses, which they don't wow you, but they were efficient and they moved the chains. Yeah, that's a good call. That's it for today. Hopefully, everyone enjoys Thanksgiving on Thursday. And hopefully we all enjoy OU West Virginia and Morgantown on Friday. For all of you that are going to the game, enjoy safe travels. Unfortunately, I will not be going. And it's not because of work. I actually took some time off. So for the first time all season long, Grant, I'll be able to watch Oklahoma play and not be at work. It's I can't wait. I don't know if that's a good thing, bad thing. I was going to say, you either picked the, the best or worst Even game thing? to do that. Yeah, that's a good point. It was more, though, for the entire weekend of football, though, because I can watch watch my Bears play on Thanksgiving, then I can watch on Sunday, and I can watch my man Baker Mayfield play on Sunday, uninhibited. It's, you know, it, crap. Now I just realize when you work on the weekends like I do, you really appreciate any time you get a chance to not work on the weekend during football season, which hasn't happened to me legitimately for five years. I haven't had a, a Saturday or a Sunday where I haven't had to work in probably five years. And so I'm really geeked up for this weekend of watching football without having to work, which undoubtedly means that the football I watch 
will be awful and disappointing, and I'll be so mad. So crap. I'm sorry, everybody. Well done. All right. We'll be back. Uh, well, I'm going to Monday or ch- maybe even Sunday because the game's on Friday. Maybe we'll record on Saturday. We'll figure it out. We'll, we'll see have a happens. podcast either either coming out Sunday or coming out Monday. Everyone enjoy. Once again, happy Thanksgiving. Until then, for Grant, I am Lee. This is West of Everest.